Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Before we, uh, Brendan is going to share a little bit about fasting from social media. Wynn asked me to share a little bit about um, something that I brought up at our last elders meeting. My name is Audrey Breen, and um, I have been a part of the All Souls community with my husband, Andrew, since its very first gathering. Um, and I share that with you because um, I'm more nervous than I've ever been standing up here. And I've probably been up here about 100 times. Uh, as I was reflecting on sort of what I was just blurting out in the middle of the elders meeting, it occurred to me that um, we are hosting our third Meals and Stories this spring. Um, also started around all of us telling our stories. And as many times as I've done that, I don't think that this part of, of my story has I've ever shared um, in that context. Now, you're fitting an entire life in 45 minutes, so it's not a terrible surprise, but I did find it really interesting. I just shared again on uh, my story this week. So one would have even thought it was sort of top of mind, but it, it didn't come out. Um, so I want to just take a few minutes to talk a little bit about um, some of my thoughts around fasting and how, um, <laughs> how it is a real challenge for me. Um, what I find interesting, too, is I, I don't think anything about what I will share is particularly novel. Um, I think, in fact, it's probably a universal story for a lot of us. Um, but I find um, in my own life it's something I hold really close. Um, I went on my first diet when I was 16. Um, I, had, I had crossed the 120-pound threshold, and my high school boyfriend said he was only going to marry an aerobics instructor. Um, the years following, I spent most of the meals I've eaten feeling empowered by the low-calorie choices I made or shameful about everything else. For most women in our culture, we're inundated with the message that the idea of our body is to be as small or invisible as possible. Anything other than small and invisible is bad. Ironically, the result of carrying constant shame about our bodies often requires some sort of coping mechanism, and oftentimes that becomes eating. <laughs> and so for some of us, eating becomes this lifelong cycle of shame. Two weeks ago, I celebrated my 44th birthday. I have arrived at middle age. <laughs> Thank you. And it is true, there are a lot of things about this stage of life that bring with it um, a groundedness, feeling, feeling the earth under my feet in a way that is good. Um, I don't have time for stuff I used to engage in a lot. I have slowed down and I'm okay with it. I am way less efficient than I used to be, and that is good. <clears throat> but this... <clears throat> This is a cycle of shame that I still am in every day. 
And do you know what it feels like to arrive at middle age when you're supposed to have achieved some sort of freedom from this kind of shame? It feels like shame. Most of my life, I have spent disconnecting from my body, trying to control my body, trying to manage it. Since I've been at All Souls Win and Brendan have consistently invited us to participate in worship with our bodies. Um, I remember that I'm like literally shaking up here, sorry. Um, I remember the invitations to start making the sign of the cross, and I had no idea what that meant, but it felt like I could participate in a way. Um, and there's so much of Brendan and Wynn's leadership, I think, that um, invites us to, to practice and, and do these things, even if we don't exactly know what we're doing, um, but that there's an invitation for God to move in and, and, to, and to teach us. <clears throat> There is the kneeling during confession. Um, and all of these invitations, I think, for me, have started just barely to chip away at this notion that my body is bad and needs to be controlled and separated from this holiness that happens in my mind and in my heart. And that that is a lie. <laughs> and the chasm still feels really big, <laughs> but I feel this work toward bringing those two things together. And so it would be my great joy to participate in this community over the season of Lent and fasting. I just struggle with how to do that. I have for decades practiced some kind of food restriction as punishment, as dieting, and I know very little how to translate that now into an act of faith. I do believe that that, I mean, fasting has been this long tradition of the church. I think this season and in this, this culture, it has been um, corrupted in a way that feels, for me, sometimes um, unfixable. I literally, I've been thinking and thinking about this, and I did ministry in Charleston years ago with a girl who turned into a, a personal trainer and her, her post this week was um, a faster way to lose weight, capital F-A-S-T, lowercase e-r. And so intermittent fasting is now the diet du jour. Um, before it was at least implicit <laughs> and now it is explicit that this faith practice has been turned into and co-opted by this culture into a way for us to fit into this mold, for us to force our bodies into this ideal. The bad news about what I'm sharing is I have really no, I, I don't have like five tips to make this better. <laughs> I'm sharing because um, this is this is my story, and this is how I'm going to uh, show up on Wednesday, for Ash Wednesday, and how I'm going to try to be processing fasting on Fridays or Wednesdays. Um, I think instead of holding this kind of pain and sort of isolation, that um, bearing it together, I think, um, and inviting the Spirit of God into these places can perhaps allow His Spirit to move and to heal 
and at least to um, bring light into into something for me, which is um, which is pretty dark. Um, so I think that's what I'm going to try to do. <laughs> I think I'm going to try to uh, participate in some way and invite God to um, to to teach my heart something new about food, about my body. Um, and if he shows up in that little window, I, I think there, there could be real goodness there. So, thank you. Before I say anything else, um, Audrey, I just want to honor make this a part of our life together and not a part of our life um, in isolation. So uh, I'm going to, I will pray. I would like to pray over that before I say anything else. God, we want to offer up um, Audrey's story because we know that it's not her story alone. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and inhabit not just us as individuals, but us as a people, and that in our life together, that God, you would liberate us from the lies that keep us captive. Um, and God, please bring your wisdom to us as your people during these coming days of Lent. God, we need your wisdom. But we also are confident that when we ask for it, that you give it. And so, Lord, we're counting on that promise. In Jesus' name, amen. So I decided that I'm going to totally scrap everything else I was going to say. Um, I mean, not scrap it, but... There's a few things that feel really important to me to say um, that, that are connected to what Audrey just said. And so the first thing is that I think part of what um, the gospel insists on for us, uh, part of being human, right, is being embodied. And it's so important for us to worship God in our bodies, because we, from the very beginning of Christian faith, there's this thing called Gnosticism, which was saying, <laughs> almost immediately after Jesus' death and resurrection, was, was saying that the body is bad, that matter is bad, but the spirit uh, is good. And so there was this, this tension of people trying to escape or, uh, from bodies, either so there's escapism from our bodies, or there's a sort of, um, nihilism of like nothing that I do with my body matters. And I think what the gospel is trying to tell us and has been telling us from the beginning is that our bodies matter. And uh, what we do with our bodies matters. And we worship God in our bodies. And so um, fasting is something that we do in our body. Um, but I, I would say that I think the invitation that seems appropriate to us is 
maybe that supersedes fasting is the invitation to be embodied. And so if fasting is not going to help you be in your body this Lent, then please don't do it. Um, but find a way to maybe gather people around you and to practice together uh, and to be in conversation together about what it means to be in our bodies and to worship God in that place. So uh, I think that's what I want to say about fasting. Well, actually, I will say, um, I will add that for those of us who do fast from food, um, one of the things that I have found to be so liberating about fasting over the years is that um, fasting actually is a way that I pray with my body. And so um, the difference that I've experienced over the years is that um, I think originally fasting felt like something I just worked really hard at, um, but now fasting feels more to me like something where uh, my hunger itself becomes prayer. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but to be hungry during the day and allow that hunger to actually pray for you, to direct your longing and your heart to God as you feel that hunger, that's kind of how I have, have grown to experience fasting, and it's, it's welcome. It's a beautiful thing. Um, so for those of us who do enter into that place of fasting, we are, we are allowing our hunger in our body to be a way, a part of the way that we direct our, our life and our prayers to God. So um, that's all I'll say about fasting, uh, at least food fasting. But I want to connect what I was going to talk about in terms of fasting from social media to the same idea of embodiment. So um, I'm going to start by just relating to you a, a brief story that I, uh, of a conversation I had with my daughter. So my daughter Emma, she's over here. I won't put her on the spot. I mean, I won't make her stand up. But um, so we we don't have we have phones, uh, but our phones basically in our home just live in one place. We, when we come in, we put them down. Um, our kids don't have phones. We've told them they're not having phones until they can drive. Um, so anyway, so my, my daughter doesn't have a lot of the connection to technology and screens and stuff. But we, we were part of a, um, our youngest son was going to a, a soccer, he was part of a soccer league. And so every week we would go to soccer practice. And, um, and Emma was there just as a bigger sister and she was making friends with some of the older siblings that were around. And um, so one day uh, she met this girl who was very nice and they enjoyed each other. And the next week, uh, that same girl was there, but she had a phone. And my daughter was like, she was a different person with her phone than when she didn't have her phone. And so we started talking about phones. And I said, well, what do you, th what do you think about that? And she said, you know, I think that w when people have phones, they become less present. And I think that that's a profound uh, statement that I hope we wrestle with. And it connects to embodiment. How many of you guys have been to a restaurant and seen people having dinner together, <laughs> but sitting there on their phones? Can I see some hands? Anybody seen this? OK. Um, does that even cause you to pause anymore? Like, when, it first, when I first saw that happen, I was like, Oh my gosh, what are people doing? 
I mean, going out to dinner is a rare treat, at least in our home. And if I ever went out with my wife, I would not spend it on the phone. I would want to be present to her, right? And, uh, but I think that one of the things that happens is that, that our technology, we don't intend to be um, disembodied, but it's a slow, addictive process. And that slow, addictive process means that we end up someday sitting you know, across from our spouse at dinner looking at our phone. We didn't mean to be there. We didn't intend to be there. But that's where we are, and we have become less present to each other. I think that the, um, the promise of technology is that we can be present to everyone all the time, and what that means is that we are never fully present to anyone. And I think that's really dangerous for our humanity. Um, So, I'm not going to say a lot more about that except to say that I would like to challenge our community to think very carefully about how we engage with technology, and particularly through the lens of being embodied. I want to be the kind of person who is able to be present to where I am, when I am, and to the people and the things that are around me. And I think that that's part of being fully human, is being present to one another. Um, I know that there are, I mean, I, we could talk for hours. I'm sure you all have a million things going through your heads. Like, um, I heard somebody recently say that he had taken email, internet, and all of his um, you know, apps off of his phone. So that all he could do was call, use his map to get places, and um, text. And like, I know that if you even begin to think about doing that with your phone, you probably feel a little panicky, um, which would be a great sign that it's worth thinking further about <laughs> and potentially doing something about. Um, I offer all of this to you not in a spirit of shame or condemnation, but in a spirit of kindness. Um, I think that what God has for us is better. I think we are longing for connection, and we end up getting addicted to these, the promise of connection that we have through technology, but it's not, it never really delivers. And uh, I would encourage you to, to receive my invitation that there might be richer, deeper, more human connection that's possible. It's going to take some work, and it's also going to take some withdrawal from things that we have become habituated to. Um, if you would like to talk further with me about this, I have done a lot of thinking, and I, I could have talked way longer, but I think that's the, the kernel of what I wanted to say. So, will you please um, pray with me? God, as we enter into, uh, as we anticipate entering into the season of Lent in the coming week. God, I pray that your spirit would be present and active in us and that you would be leading us um, to consider carefully the invitations that we are um, considering together as a community, whether it's fasting from food, fasting from tech, from technology or social media. Um, I believe there is an invitation here for us to, 
to really lean into what it means to be embodied and to be present. And God, you know that the deepest tragedy uh, in terms of the way that our attention and our presence gets fractured is that um, presence is what we need, God, to know you. We need to be able to focus um, and to be present with you for more than 40 seconds at a time, God. And that's the average um, attention span of people in our culture these days, 40 seconds. To know you, God, and to receive um, the fullness of the life that you want for us, we have to learn how to be embodied and to gather those fragmented parts of ourselves and be present. And so we pray that, God, this season of Lent would help us uh, in becoming more and truly human. Help us to be wise. Help us to not be afraid. But also help us to have courage to do things that are hard um, or scary. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.